Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, we have all returning friends. It's a golden episode. Robin Cloud is here. It's been way too long. Robin is an award-winning writer, director, working in television and film. Cloud is 2021 Alliance for Women Directors, Black Directors Advancement Initiative Fellow, a 2017 Kickstarter Creative Fellow, and a graduate of Lena Waits Hillman Grad Mentee Program. Robin has been featured in the New York Times, Go Magazine's Top 100 Women We Love, her production company, Cloud Creative Media was launched in March of 2016 and focuses on creating independent narrative and documentary films and series. Leanne Lord is back. Leanne has appeared on ABC, HBO, Comedy Central, and is former co-host of the Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Leanne recently released her comedy album, I'm Not Urban, available on all streaming platforms. And Leanne is the author of Dick Jokes and Real Women Do It Standing Up, both available on Amazon. So get those books. Her special, I've Got Connections, can be seen on Dry Bar Comedy. Pat Brown is in the house. Pat, who's been seen on CBS's Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Her critically acclaimed album, The Pat Brown Sex Tape, is available on all platforms. And if you're staying in, you can check out her comedy set on HBO. Two dope queens. Little update on our conversation here about the Jeopardy host, Mike Richards. I mean, we were just talking about, you know, how did he get the job? And he was fired before this episode came out. I mean, I knew the topic was hot, but damn. You can check me out at Lincoln Center. That's this Friday, 8 p.m. Go to my website and get those free tickets. I mean, it's free. I want to thank all of our listeners and friends like us. Because of you, we make some pretty impressive lists. You can hear us on Google Podcasts now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. You can email us at friendslikeuspodcasts at gmail. Instagram is friendslikeuspodcasts. And Twitter is friendslikeus10. Become more than a friend. Leave us a tip or a donation by going to our Patreon page. Go to Patreon backslash friends like us and i just want to give a special shout out to all of our patreon friends it's because of you we keep going thank you merch is available with the new logo we have t-shirts hoodies coffee mugs face masks and tank tops they're all available at my website marinafranklin.com and weekly on my youtube channel i go live with my assistant to give updates to the show shout out fans who leave reviews and have guest friends from the podcast like this week we have bond to carlo you ever wanted to yell at me well now's your chance every saturday three o'clock and sometimes we offer free stuff like tickets to comedy shows and with friends like us it'll help you feel not so alone because more content is on the way most important, tell a friend you know to check us out. Hope you're enjoying the rest of your summer by staying safe. Wash those dirty little hands. Wear your mask still if you want to. Um, wear your mask though. Get vaccinated. Come on, folks. Get vaccinated. And Black Lives Matter. Today is a very lovely show. I like this this group. I always look at it and I go, I put these people together well. This is good chemistry right here. You know, um, we, I have Robin Cloud, who is a film uh, writer, producer, director, comedian. Leanne Lord, very funny comedian, friend, very funny lady. She's a cat lover. And Pat Brown. Pat Brown is hysterical. 
<laughs> my intros suck. I get the most generic, generic, generic ass intros. And Pat Brown. Pat Brown, y'all. She lives up the street. Y'all know her. She lives up the street from me. Yeah, get, exactly. Ride my bike and get you that Pedialyte, yo. Do you want me to do that? But so we were talking about, um, we'll start with, well, first let me start with Robin, who I have not had on the show for very, almost like years now. And I keep emailing you and I keep emailing the wrong Robin. And then I'm like, no, I want this Robin. <laughs> and then you're like, I'm in California. And I'm like, ah, and then the pandemic hit. And I was like, no excuses. <laughs> So Robin, what have you been up to? Tell us. Oh my God. So I moved out to California almost four years ago, which seems impossible. I don't know how that happened so fast. Um, yeah. And I've just been out here writing and directing, um, made a couple of shorts and a docuseries and in development for a TV series. So yeah, I've just been making art, trying to survive the wildfires. That's great. I saw with Lena's as it's Lena Waits. Uh, is it she did a, a help me? <laughs> what is it? Well, she's she she's, done, so she's doing so much. So it did she do like any- a writing program or a um, directing program? She did. She I'm not. No, I, I was a mentor. Uh, no, I was one of her early, early mentees, like in the first incarnation, like uh, probably almost. Yeah, I think like four years ago before I moved here. Um, so the program now has expanded and it's just like super, super organized and they're doing all different types of things. But yeah, I was one of the early, early mentees. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, is she still doing that? Yeah, she is. Yeah, they're doing great. They have like mentors sh- set up. So it's not just her now, which originally it was just like her and like 30 of us, you know, trying to like talk to her and and get advice and help and whatnot. Um, but now I think they have different departments. So they've got like a mentor for actors, a mentor for directors, a mentor for writers. So it's like everyone is set up with someone. It seems, it seems really cool. That's cool. I always wonder about these programs and, uh, you know, diversity, the help that's going on in Hollywood with diversity. And I wonder if it's really helping. I mean, I think so from what I can tell, because, you know, I've been on the festival circuit a lot pretty much for the last four years. And I see a lot of new faces every time I go and a a lot of young um, black and POC people who are making work. So I think that people are climbing. What I would like to see is people really getting up to the executive levels, the, 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 the change makers and the decision makers, the gatekeepers, because those are the people that you know, say yes to your TV shows and give you money to make features and all of that. Um, So we definitely need more representation at that level. But in terms of like creators and content, like people are out here working hard writing scripts. And whenever I see like a remake for some show, I'm like, oh, why? We don't need a remake. We literally have like a line of people with a brand new idea of something you have never seen before. Um, So I'm hoping that this change. Yeah. Yeah. They, they can bet on a remake though. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. when you are that decision maker, the worst thing you want to do is make a decision that loses money. Cause now that's your fault. So that's how we get back to, well, let's make remake Hawaii five Oh, let's remake law and order. Like what? And I love Lucy. <laughs> we, selling hamburgers here. we are selling hamburgers. 
Yeah, but those shows weren't remakes when they made them. Like someone took the risk originally. So that that but originally, originally, I mean, yes, someone eventually has to take a risk, but we are a risk averse species and we are a risk averse industry. True. That's right. Sadly. Yeah. Well, I will say although I do want to see I do want to see the Wonder Years though. Oh yeah, the Black Wonder Years. Yeah, yeah. Looks very cute. Yeah. Yeah, the Well, I did just recently sold a show. Yay! To FX. A remake? Yes. No. A remake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, which? Was it the ne Carver The Nail Carter show <laughs> with you? <laughs> Nail Carter. I would love that, actually. Um, but genius. Yes. Um, but, I, you know, I, I did notice going into the rooms, I'm the only black person there. And, you know, I'm glad that they are, you know, open. And they, 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 they FX seems like a very good place to be for new creatives like they're very good yeah with really cool. you know creating shows and working with you and so i'm excited about it but i do know the story that they were um listed as the least diverse years ago and when they changed that they started winning awards when they had atlanta and they have um is it snow snowfall snowfall, snowfall. Mm -hmm. all of these shows picked up their network so they're yeah they did the right thing they're they're taking these shows on but you're right we do need people in those positions to say yeah <laughs> throw yeah. throw throw it some money throw it at exactly. it and they're getting there people are climbing so it's good to have you here robin thank you i'm glad to be here and then as you joined us we learned you know about pat pat hasn't been here in a in a, in a while too long for the audience i think because they, they always yell at me I, I don't know if they think i like ban you from the show or something but pat tell everyone what you've been dealing with and what you're going on you know i've, I've been dealing with you um <laughs> keep asking me to do the show um all the time, right? All the time. She's like, uh, I had my surgery. She's like, uh, I don't know if it was my, let me not uh, conflate those. It might've been before the surgery, but she said, uh, I don't know if I should ask or not. There are a few sick or whatever, but I have to ask, do you want to do the show? <laughs> I was like, yeah, you got to ask and no. Uh, <laughs> you got to ask, but no. Uh, I think it was when I was uh after I had my surgery, but I, I had fibroid surgery not too long ago. Uh, something I feel like uh, disproportionately affects black women. We don't, we, yeah, fibroids. If that's the thing that we be known for. It's a, a terrible week after the surgery, but after that, it, um, it's, um, it gets better. And um, so I'm up and I'm walking, um, still a little sore, but my uterus is, is empty. I'm about to rent it out on Airbnb. It is, completely speaking Spanish as new as the day I was born. So, um, that's good. What is the pro what's the procedure? Would they, they take first, they'll first you as a black woman, they'll ask you, can they have your whole uterus? And it's for you to say, yep. no, no, no. You got to say that at least six times. Uh, they yes. asked me six different ways. And I said, no, no. Cause I, and I found like, I feel, and I don't know, um, I don't have any data to support this, but I just think it's an easier surgery for them to mm -hmm. just, yeah, just to cut out your uterus, either to give a partial hysterectomy or do a hysterectomy, but you need your parts 
especially going into menopause uh, because it uh, balances out uh, balances out your uh, your hormones and you'll need that. Uh, so yeah, don't let them take your parts unless it's you know cancerous or something like that. But no. And so after the surgery went, was was successful, he's like everything was fine. Your you know the none of the fibroids were cancerous. Everything was good. And I got every single one of them. And I was like, and you wanted to take my uterus, bitch. <laughs> you said Still, that? Yeah. No, I didn't say like, No, I, he didn't mention it. And, but but that's my thought. My thought was like, and you was going to take my uterus. Uh, so no. Uh, but everything is healing fine. Um, and I'm just hoping that the scar is uh, not distracting <laughs> for, <laughs> for whoever sees it. Uh, the airport? Maybe. <laughs> That's not who I mean. I know. They and at the airport. Where, where the hell are you going? What I airport know, are right? you going to? Yeah. I always feel like they be seeing things when you when you walk through those machines. I'm like, they can see like past surgeries. I once yelled at them because I didn't want to go through one of the machines because I had like breast cancer. And I was like, I'm not going through that machine. I'm not. And they just kept trying to get me to go through because uh, there's so, two machines. The ones where you hold your arms up like this. I'm like, I'm not going through that machine. Mm -mm, I don't know what that is. I don't know what those rays are. <laughs> that's, the, that's what gave you uh, breast cancer. Who knows? Putting I mean, their hands up like that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. a look direct hit. I think there's all them ex-white boyfriends that putting your hands up like that gave you breast <laughs> oh, cancer. No. Oh, no. <laughs> putting your hands up like that. Cancerous? They're a carcinogen? I said putting your hands up like they having you put your hands up like that. Oh, because oh, oh, of, of the police. <laughs> That's what's cancerous. <laughs> well, Leah, you were about to say something about, look at me trying to switch the topic. <laughs> very smooth, Marina, very smooth. <laughs> Leah, did you have fibroids or? I sure did. I, I had like major league fibroids and had surgery back in 2017. And I thought I had like a dozen or so, but no, nah, they took out like 35, 36 Whoa. fibroids in varying sizes. And I, I, I y'all thought I was joking. I literally, literally did have them take a picture. Um, I have my picture. Let's try pictures. I want to see you. Exactly. I know. Right. But here's the thing. And, and, and I cannot stress what Pat said enough. That's why I want to say it again. They really do say, Hey, okay, we're going to do a hysterectomy. They don't even talk to you about the different types of surgery. You can get a myomectomy, which is where they go in and they actually remove the fibroids instead of the entire works, instead of the hysterectomy. It's like, they don't have no time. It's like, they're busy. They want to do the hysterectomy and then go back to playing golf, you know? So it's a little offensive that that's our first option. And if you're not, if you don't have anybody coaching you or somebody that you can talk to or you haven't had somebody go through this and you think, oh yeah, I'll just do that, you know, without exploring your options, it's it's just another way I feel that that the medical industrial complex discriminates against us. Mm -hmm. You know, don't get me started. No, <laughs> Even though I'm already started, you know, and it's it's a very vulnerable position to be in. I mean, I I, I wasn't planning on having children. I don't have children, but it's mine. Like, how you just gonna come here and take my stuff? Right. You know, it feels, it feels like, you know, I'm doing for colored girls who considered suicide when the rainbow was enough. No, you're not going to come get my stuff. That's mine. Right. <laughs> Did you say to them, like, do you ever say to them, you know, I hear about how you talk to black women and this is why I do you ever say that in these rooms? I didn't. You know, I mean, that would be the brave me in the screenplay that I write. But in my real life, <laughs> I was devastated. 
Yeah. I was devastated because he, the, it, it was a male doctor because I used to not care, um, you know, because I was in and out. Nothing was wrong, you know, but this time I go in and like, okay, the fibroids have really gotten big. And he goes, are you married? Do you have children? Are you planning on having children? And I was like, well, no, no, and no. He goes, okay, just have a hysterectomy. He was just blunt. I'm like, yeah. Wait a wait a minute, and I was, and I'm not really proud of this, but I was just so devastated. I didn't do anything about it for a year mm. because I was just so like, what, what, what do you mean? Like, and so I sort of walked away from the problem, but the problem didn't walk away from me. Right, that's what you they know. Do. So I, yeah, I came back a year later, year bigger. Like I'm working out. Like, why do I look like I'm pregnant? Like they got that big, and I didn't understand that they can be inside your uterus and outside. Oh, did you putting have both? pressure on your internal organs? I had both. Oh, yes. Okay. Had, yeah, yeah. This was a deal. This was a big deal. Um, and that can cause problems for your other organs because it creates there's not enough room in there. Um, so I went to wait a minute, one, two, three, four, about four doctors, and the fourth one was a wonderful woman at Mount Sinai who was just like a gunslinger. She didn't even the word is directed me to not come out of her mouth. She was like, yeah, my mix me. I can do this. I can get them. And like, it was a challenge for her. I was like, yes, you are team me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was scary. And it was the weekend of the women's march, mm. believe it or not, after our former, um, some, somebody who was trying to be president was president. Former so guy. That was, <laughs> yes, that was my excuse for not going to the women's march. Uh, I had surgery and plantar fasciitis. So y'all wow. go on without me. Wow. That, that was, I just had a weak bladder. That was mine. They, yes, you know. Is that why? Is that why you didn't go to the women's march? Is because you had a weak bladder? <laughs> I just knew the lines for the bathroom were going to be long. That's wow. my job. There's a diaper yeah. for that. <laughs> there is a diaper, but you know, I used yeah. to go on stage. I go, you know, it depends, and they go, oh, I remember the audience going, ew, like I will never do that again. I'm sorry, uh, but Leon, I in Pat, I want to ask you, like. How did you know? Like, I'm hearing this, but I don't know if you already said how you knew. If I missed that, I apologize. Because sometimes I listen to the uh, podcast afterwards and I'll ask a question that someone already answered and I hate myself. But I do want to ask you this. Like, how did you, how would I know? Like, is there a way to... For me, I've I've been battling uh, this one big fiber that I had uh, for uh, 20 years. like a like the Marvel f- franchise, it just keeps resurfacing every time I think I got it under control. But um, yeah, so I did an embolization, which is basically cutting off the uh, blood vessel to the fiber. Yeah. And uh, and he said he found that when he said it, it, was, it was smaller and it was uh, calcified, but uh, he, he found that when he removed it too. But um, so I knew it then. And, and uh, some of the symptoms are like really heavy bleeding. That's the, the problem that I was experienced uh, about 20 years ago, just extremely he- heavy bleeding to the point that I had to have a blood transfusion because my uh, blood had gotten so low. Uh, bl- my blood level has gotten so low. Uh, um, so that's when I had to do something um, drastic like that. And so with that and then being on um I think I was on a uh, the the uh, not a diaphragm uh, the uh, thing they put up in you, but anyway, but between those two things, the embolization and uh, I'm, I'm gonna remember in a minute. But between those two things, that made my periods manageable or less to no pain or difficulties, and so just until this 
last couple of years was really bad. And since I have a good insurance, I was like, let's take care of it. Let's get it over with. What about for you, Leanne? How did you? Um, I feel like they were discovered pretty early, you know, but they would, you know, just a regular, you know, uh, exam. But the thinking back then was um, they were so small. If they're not bothering you, you don't bother them, you know, but estrogen feeds fibroids, mm. you know, that's, that's their diet. And so they got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was actually um, a boyfriend I was with who he would, he felt my stomach. He goes, baby, you have fibroids. Like those are big. And I was like, what, first of all, what you know about fibroids? You are not a doctor, sir. But I mean, I knew he wasn't wrong. You know, so they, that's how I knew like, and this was a problem. Cause again, yeah, my cycle got very, very heavy. My period was very, very heavy. Um, I can't say it was extremely painful. I mean, I was just used to the pain, I guess, because after they did the surgery, the doctor said, Hey, did you know you had endometriosis? I was like, mm, no. Whoa. And I said, how would I know that? They said, well, you'd be in pain. And I'm like, I'm a black woman in America. I'm always in pain. <laughs> You're going to have more specific, you know, so that's, do a whole nother series of, you know, medical interventions. And I'm like, you know what? It's so fun being a woman. Hmm. I'm having a blast. <laughs> well, you, at least you don't have hot flashes yet. Oh God. No. I have night sweats. <laughs> and my doctor's surprised. They keep doing the test. They're like, how are you not? I'm like, I don't know. It's going to show up when it show up. Yeah. You know, but I'm, again, I am a late bloomer. Night sweats is a sign that you may be almost there. Well, I know. I ask your age. Perimenopause. Yeah. I also have. I also have fibroids. So, but I still have them in there. <laughs> Sadly, and I did the procedure that past talking about. I did it in June of 2020, and only one of them shrank. And so now I just did a test recently, and one of them. So I've got two pushing, like pinching on my bladder, and has moved yes. my bladder. To mm-hmm. out of position. Yes. So I have to pee all the time. So I have to go and have this surgery now, which I was trying not to have, but I have never asked about it. I never You would be surprised. You would be surprised. So what would I do? Like if I raise their hands. What would should, like if I go to my gynecologist and I you know, I like I fibroids won't affect you if you had a lot of abortions. What you saying, Pat? <laughs> <laughs> what you saying, Pat? Come on, in hot, Pat. Okay, you don't have to start recording this at night, Marina, because I'm gonna need a beverage. I'm gonna need an adult I beverage. Oh, I, I was, I was just trying to, uh, I was trying to mess with uh, Marina. I, I have no, that doesn't, I have no idea if that even. Uh, that if that's true, yeah. abortion shaming. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I know. And incorrect information. We're flagging you. No, yeah, I, right? I actually wasn't shaming. I'm just saying I was. I was just making that correlation, but it's not. It's not one. I'm just making. I made it's it. It's not up. real. It's not real. Audience, not is it real. possible to not have pain? Like I'm thinking to myself, I've never thought about asking, and I've never. I didn't have pain. I didn't have pain. When I first found out I didn't have pain, I was doing like fertility stuff and got an ultrasound. And the doctor scan, you know, scanned me. He's like, oh, you have two fibroids. He's like, you, you're going to have to have a hysterectomy. And then he was like, anyway, wow. so, and I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then in, in 
what one was that? That was four years ago. And now in, in four years now I have seven. So they've like, you know, Oh, wait, she did say I had fibroids now that you're mentioning it when she did the ultrasound when I was at the good doctor. See, I have good doctors when I have good insurance. Yeah. And so I went to that the when I, I went. That's how I found my breast cancer, actually, was I was at one of those. I think I may have told you guys this before. Like I went into this one clinic or gynecologist and it was like Oprah's office. And I was like, this is going to be fun. No. And they give you a robe and there's like nice oh. couches and magazines. Oh, yeah. That's and that blue cross. Yeah. And the woman who did the ultrasound, she did mention of, I do remember her. Say, she said it was nothing to worry about though at the time. That's what she said. But that was like yeah, two years small, ago. But they, they can grow. Ooh. It depends on where they are. They don't always, but they can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, um, Oh, let me get my topics. Let's go into some of these. This is like a fibroid forum. More interesting to me than um, my topics. I mean, I had a a last minute change. (laughs) Yeah, hot topics. Well, I love this Jeopardy thing for you, Leanne, because Leanne is like a real, I don't want to call her a nerd. That's all right. I think she would be okay. Does with she that. freeze when I called her a nerd? Her face froze. Look. <laughs> She's a blur. I know, I know who I am. But Leanne is like a like a Jeopardy. I could see you watch. You watch Jeopardy, Leanne? I don't. You don't watch Jeopardy? But but no, but I know the show. I am aware. What? She's not a fact nerd. You said you know the show, but what you're was not. Your a question. Fan. Um. There's no question. Yeah, I, I'm aware of the show. <laughs> I don't watch it, but I'm culturally aware. But how did you guys, did you guys care about who was replacing Alex Trebek? Because I know like Jeopardy host Alex Trebek will officially be replaced by two new hosts, executive producer Mike Richards. So he put himself in his own show for weekly shows and neuroscience doctorate actress. How do you say her name? My, she's a... She was Punky Brewster. Maim. Yeah, I wanted LeVar Burton. Yeah, everyone was petitioning for LeVar. I, I wanted LeVar. Yep. Now, I didn't see his audition, but everyone yeah, I wanted was like, he, he was on Reading Rainbow. He doesn't even need to audition. <laughs> right. Um, Go ahead, Pat. What were we going to say? No, I, I read the article about, uh, not the article you sent, but I read an article about him. First, and he just he was just filling in and um, they liked him and told him to do a week. And then people started uh, commenting on how good he was. He didn't he didn't actually go in to fill the role. Uh, it was just the powers that be the audition, the powers that be, which are white men and uh, liked a white man. And he was already a part of that. So but his his attention that's what he told uh, the people in the, who, wrote, who wrote the article was was not to be the host. He was just filling in since um, they had a gap, gap and he knew the show. so well. There's some controversy over the host, Mike Richards, because of his treatment to women. Specifically, there was a woman on Price is Right. I guess the models, one of them was involved in a pregnancy. He's involved in a pregnancy discrimination lawsuit. What does that mean? Why? Well, she was pregnant at the time and they have the show and he was like, when she announced that she was pregnant, he's like, they have video of him going, oh, 
And then like she, she was not allowed to return back to work. Mm. So she, she, she actually won the first lawsuit and then they brought it back and the court said, no, actually this is not right that she won this lawsuit, which they usually do. Right. And then now they came to an agreement. So it was settled, which doesn't really explain who's right or who's wrong. But we know that in this day and age with everything going on with women in the workplace and pregnancy leave, this is a big slap in the face to have someone like this as a host and represent representing himself on a TV show. So I don't know. Then they have two. It's like, why have two people like, and he's also the executive producer. It's kind of like, no, like you can't, you shouldn't be able to do that. Even though I would put myself in my own TV show. If I was executive producer, I probably do the same thing. Actually, Gina Yashere does that. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm wrong. I just don't like this guy. <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah. Just because you don't like this guy. I don't know the, the story. Uh, I'm sure the franchise will survive. Um, it's the game. People love the game. And they'll get, and people get used to people. If you watch a show long enough, you'll get used to the, the other characters. Like, you know, yeah. Family Matters. That little girl walked up the steps and uh, nobody... <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody asked about her. What happened to her? Lost her daughter. Yeah. She just gone. She just go. I'm I'm watching a different world, which I'm loving. Season one, season two, Denise gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Millie gone. The original uh, house mom for for uh um the hall gone, and they, they don't nobody say nothing. Be, no, they, yeah, they revamped that show when um what's her name came on there, Debbie Allen. She became the Yeah, she changed yeah. everything because she had it, it was a show and they had all these uh, white uh, directors and producers and nobody knew about what a HBC was really about. And, uh, right. de- and they brought Debbie Allen in. Was it the second year or the third year? And she second, changed second season, second season. And she changed everything. And all, yeah, that's all they had was like these light skinned girls walking around with these long ass extensions and that was the first season of different world <laughs> oh my gosh yeah we were watching it yesterday and it was like you didn't i didn't like wow there's a lot of light-skinned girls here mm-hmm. like what what yeah. is happening and if you yeah, see if like, you go to no, it you see it you it is the melting pot of black people you'll see every mm-hmm. uh color shade of black person and a few white people in a, and a whole handful of immigrants so uh, at least that was my experience going to South Carolina State, my HBC. I still think it's important that they did that, even in, inadvertently or on purpose, because now going back and talking about it in a, as a pop culture or as a as a uh, an example, we can now talk about colorism. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have the platform because you know folks don't really. I mean, we do more now, but sometimes it's so subtle. Like, and you when you're in real time, you don't see it. You know, so I'm I, again, it's. But that was the that, that was the controversy with um uh what's his name Manuel uh what's his name uh yeah, with, uh the the heights the heights right oh yeah yes. Lin Manuel yeah with light Dominicans and no dark Dominicans were shown that's because there are no dark Dominicans right hmm. <laughs> I said that with my voice as best I could for anybody listening. <laughs> yeah, that was your sarcasm voice. You're right. People don't know sarcasm anymore. I've noticed that. Well, that's because a lot of dudes on dating apps they don't like it. Wait, say that again, Leah. 
a lot of dudes on dating apps say they don't like it. They don't I like think what? that's because they don't understand your, your sarcasm. But sarcasm. They say literally say in their dating profiles they don't like sarcasm or women who are sarcastic. Ew. Mm, I think it's, I think it's hard to read like in. And when you when you're writing yes. it, it's hard. Uh, sarcasm is hard to pick up. But uh, in life, I'm, I don't know. On stage, even I mean, I say this one joke about staring at a man's penis on the subway who pulled it out. And I'm like, oh, finally. And that's me being sarcastic. <laughs> but the, I you cannot believe the number of young girls who will go. No, you shouldn't. I'm like. Sarcasm. Oh wow. Sarcasm. Well, the operative word there is young. Yes. They don't they don't have enough context and life experiences. They you know, they need a little seasoning. Let them come back to your show in five or ten years. Mm-hmm. After they've been flashed. Yeah, after they've yeah, seen right, right. Five, seen at least five dicks. Couple on dicks. Frame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that joke has a five dick minimum. Thank you, Pat. Yeah. That's a at least. at least five dick minimum. <laughs> Barf. I've definitely seen five dicks in New York. You have Ugh. five? Oh, for sure. In 20 years? In 20 years? You saw yes. five dicks? If not more. I've seen two. I saw I'm never, I guess I'm never in the wrong place at the right time. I've no. been flashed. I was flashed in high school. I got flashed at, at Howard. I've seen men peeing constantly in New York. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've seen the ping, but I remember when I fi- I finally did see it. It was like that moment. I was like, oh, I've heard this happens, but it's never oh, yeah. happened to me. So I was like, it's happening. I mean, and he was on the subway car and That's he so was gross. going at it and he was going at it by the door that opens like he wasn't even in a safe position for doing something like that. I'm like, <laughs> you know, you know, make yourself comfortable, dude. <laughs> Did you guys see? Did you guys see Zola, the movie? Did you see the, the movie Zola? No, I want to see it though. I haven't seen oh, it. Oh, okay. There's some like horrifying dicks in that movie. <laughs> Just oh, okay. Is trigger warning. Is it good? Yeah, it's I enjoyed it. it. Okay. I do have a question for you guys. That's not on the articles, but um, Louis C.K. opened at Madison Square Garden this weekend. There's no protests. Everyone seems to be like, over. I don't know. He. They they were giving him a standing O before he started. After he finished, I would ask all of you this question: If Louis asked you to open for him, would you? No, I might, uh, but only under the condition I can say what I want to say if I'm opening the show. Like if that I, you can say whatever. If I yeah uh, yeah uh, if I can say whatever like I, I I can yeah hey this is a paycheck. I don't con- I don't condone none of the shit he did. He lost uh, women lost jobs because this motherfucker, and I'm trying to get some of them jobs back. <laughs> so let's get yeah yeah. So I might as long as there's I can say what I want to say. What about you, Leanne? I like Pat's answer. I think that's real, you know. And I would definitely charge more. Yeah, yeah, that is a good answer. That's a pretty good answer. I because uh, you know I always wonder that. You because know. Louis actually was one of the the comics I, I really enjoyed, and I'd say ninety percent of what he did to me he did too much masturbation. Of course, we found out why. Uh, you know that's his kink or whatever. Uh, more than a kink because it's it's also his uh, predation because he uh, definitely um, uh, sexually uh, 
created sexual abusive environments for women. But I would say he's still one of the, he was still one of the comics that I absolutely enjoyed watching. I like a lot of his material, but now I actually understand that this false sense of I'm laughing with you is really a it's almost uh, like I know what you uh, uh, appeals to you. And so I'm going to play this role that appeals to you. But I am no, I am not that role at all. So I think we've seen that with Cosby and this, this dude too. But they're they're both very gifted comics. Like, and I could never take that away from Com- Cosby to this day is one of the the best. Him and uh, Cheryl Underwood is the two best comedy shows I've ever seen in my life. It, it's... If I'm recalling this correctly, Sarah Silverman, her her comment about this um, was very balanced. She was like, Louis is my friend, and yet my friend has done something horrible. You know, how do you hold those two things in your head? And we know people who've done horrible things, but they've created good things as well. And so then we have to ask ourselves, or maybe not, how does someone make amends? How does somebody come back, you know, who's not at the end of their career and about to die, who still has some life in them, what is that thing that they can do that, that's, that acknowledges that what they did was wrong and now go about to make it right and still live? I don't have answers to that. I'm not that gifted. I know it's complicated. You know, for the people I like, you know, you want to cut them slack. For the people I don't, you're dead to me. There's got to be something more nuanced in there, you know? So I'm still working on my adulthood. We know? all are, that's, yeah. that's the grown-ups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Like it, it when this first happened, it was kind of weird because Louis had always been very nice to me. He had always like put me in things. He was one of the few, you know, at the time. He was going to be your third dick in New York. Actually, <laughs> I had asked to see it, Pat. Oh, really? Um, yeah. No, I'm joking. Uh, well, kind of. I bet you no, that circles on it. That was actually <laughs> the real story. Was that I had actually said to him. I had a dream about your dick and I thought because I had just watched your HBO show and you had rolled over and I was like wondering what it looks like. I had actually said that to him and he was like, really? But he didn't do anything. He just like kind of had this weird smile, like maybe in the back. He's like, if you only knew you next. Uh (laughs) He never did that to me. He never. the The only thing I know is. Oh, God. Go ahead, Leanne. No, I was just going to say, have you noticed that when these gentlemen who get caught up in these scandals are not hitting on age appropriate women or women their own age who might go, a word, son? I got something to show yeah, you. Of course. <laughs> of course not. Yeah. They, they want to be, they want victims. Yeah. Yeah. They want to feel powerful. Uh, the, yeah, absolutely. Because it's about power. Because I always said to everybody that supports Louis, I always ask this question too. And I, uh, I like, because they, they try to uh, mitigate or minimize what he did by saying it was just a kink. And no, it's not a kink because if it's a kink, you would pay for it. You, you'd be willing to pay for a woman to come in and you, you uh, jack off right. in front of her. But to do it in, in front of somebody that's unsuspecting, that's the power part. That is the control part. And so that's what you can't pay for. Agreed. Yes. And I've noticed that mostly older women that I talk to, they're always like, ah, what's the big deal? Just tell them to go in the corner and jerk off. But I'm like, no, that's kind of not the point here. It, um, but I will say, like, it was weird initially when all of this went down with Louis. How many comics? Oh, I'm getting an invite to play Fortnite. No. <laughs> Um, it's so funny. It comes on my computer now. I'm like, get away from me. Um, 
But the there were people who tried to come at me for being a friend to Louis. And I was like, no, I'm I I know Louis. He's always advocated for me and he's always vouched for me, but I don't like, I'm not his, I'm not like as close to him as Sarah Silverman is. I mean, I would say like, yeah, he's a friend, like as anyone else in the comedy scene is, but I don't know what they were trying to get from me. And I don't know, it was going in a weird direction where people were starting to attack the people who decided to be friends of the people who were accused. And I don't, and that was becoming like some type of Hollywood let's take everyone down who we don't like just because uh, that's what it was starting to become. I was noticing that. And I was like, this is weird. It's, it's not only just weird, it's dangerous. You know, it's very much a scorched earth policy. And again, it is not nuanced. It's not adults. It's what are we doing here? It's like, everybody got a pitchfork and we're all storming the streets. And it's like, ah, he's up. That's not what's required here. I think people wants, want to see you uh, draw your line in the sand that uh, you don't agree with what he did. And it's, and it's almost too hard. It's no way of saying I don't agree with what he did. And also I can maintain a, uh, a measured friendship with him or a measured understanding of him uh, and, and not alienate him. Um, as a person that I know that did something wrong, so well I, yeah, so I don't I don't know how you can how you can say that to somebody that sees you sitting at a table with him or whatever that you can communicate. I don't think you can. So um, that's right. Yeah. yeah. But do you think you would feel that way if it was another like abusive sex act? Like if it was. Like, is there a line, right? For like, okay, so he masturbated in front of somebody and forced them to witness that. And if it was a step further, if he raped someone in the green room, would you feel differently? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Leanne and I both had Drew Dixon on, which by the way, Leanne, I was in the village. No kidding. Russell Simmons walked past me. Wow. Do they know he's in the United States? He was going into Mamoon's next to the cellar. And I was like, that motherfucker. I've never had so much rage in my life. Yep. Like, I, like, it's not the same is what I'm saying. It's not mm. the same as Louis. Like, I wanted, I had so much rage against that dude when he walked past me. Like, I like almost wanted to call him a rapist right there on the street. You know, after hearing Drew Dixon's story, I was like, this motherfucker has the nerve to be walking around free like in the New York city, just walking around this very crowded area. Like what is happening? And that's, that's the one, you know, how many are walking around that you don't. And the statue of Liberta limitations are up on his, uh, uh, from uh, his accuser accusers, right? Is that the reason that, uh, he came back from Bali? Cause he was hanging out there until, uh, Oh, is that why? That's why he left in Bali people uh people need to know this you. they don't have an, any extradition policy so he can't get extradited to the u.s so he oh, stayed shit. in bali so i'm assuming the statute of limitations are have expired that's why he's back in the u.s i guess so i was just really i felt i actually felt like really like where are the like i i I was like, someone needs to do something. This man is walking. This rapist is walking around on this block like nothing. And I was like, no one is seeing it. No one saw him, but I saw him. 
And I was like, and he was gone. But I was like, how is he able to just walk anyway? And now uh, that, I think that's the most infuriating thing. You got the Louis of the world, which is not okay. And it is, it can be traumatizing. And also the bigger thing is that he lost women's jobs, opportunities, and they had to silent, had to be silent by his abuse. That is that those two things are the overriding thing. But then you have people like, uh, allegedly Russell Simmons that have been, uh, credibly accused of raping several women. And so it's so much rage that you can have in this time because we were seeing this. We, it's being revealed uh, to us and, and we've, all, we've all in this industry. So we know it to a certain extent, uh, extent we hear the rumors, but to, to pre- be presented with this and in facts and, and, and people are, it's just a lot of rage. It's like I can't carry rage for Louie. Uh, because I have so much rage for all these other motherfuckers too. So I'm like, it's, it's, it's to your point, Robin, there, there may be levels to it, but I also think it's, it's levels too, because you can't carry this much rage for all these motherfuckers. And it's all, and it's always coming. It's going to be another industry that, uh, reveals itself to be another predator that's, uh, been taking advantage of, uh, people in his, uh, employment. So, and I, I'm so happy that uh, Andrew Cuomo got his come up and and, and Ooh, fuck him. And didn't I, he though? Yeah, I'm. So, but you know what? I was feeling so much rage for him. I was like, you know, you did it. Please resign. Save the taxpayer some money. That's the least you can do. You arrogant fuck. Exactly. So arrogant about yeah. it. Oh, terrible. All right, let me go back to some of these articles. Back to the Jeopardy thing. This quote from the Guardian article. I just wanted to say this: only three people of co- color were brought on as hosts, including the former Reading Rainbow host and Star Trek actor LeVar Burton. And in the end, they decided to go with not one, but two white hosts, one with questionable skills and both with questionable histories. The show not only failed by depriving itself of a wonderful host, but deprived the world of a host that represents everything that is so sorely needed right now, that it so sorely needs right now. And the show should have given more people of color a chance to shine from the onset, which is the bigger problem of what Jeopardy did. They didn't even give us a chance. They weren't looking for us. Right. Uh, what was the, the two problematic things from the host? Did they say that? Well, Mike Richards is the one with the pregnancy lawsuit, discrimination lawsuit. And then... Um, I can't say her name. The actress who played uh, Ma'am. I know her character name on Big Bang Theory. Amy Farrah Fowler. That's all I, I'll I can't. I think it's Ma'im. Wasn't it Ma'im? Ma'im. Ma'im. Yes. Okay. She's an anti, a major anti-vaxxer. anti-vaxxer. Yeah. And she put out some Whoa! incorrect yes. information about brain stuff. And She's a was- neuroscience. Really? She's neuroscience. Yeah, PhD. Yes. Wow. Uh, Education doesn't insulate you from nonsense. That's true. True. true, As we have learned. But it is so surprising. It is so Uh, surprising. As Michael says, doctors are people too. Neuroscientists are people too. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that is disappointing though. I think she was homeschooled. So I feel like she probably been insulated in a lot of ways. Well, she's from the Orthodox community too, right? So there's that and yeah. yeah. Now America is multiracial now. So 
<laughs> no, there are more there are more people of color than white people. Yeah, there's so according to the Census Bureau's new finding, families across the country have grown more diverse. The number of non-Hispanic Americans who identify as multiracial had jumped by 127% over the decade, and the number of Hispanic Americans who identify as multiracial grew by 576%. I hope you learned Spanish. Mm -hmm. These two groups now represent about 10% of the population, an increase met with increase in America's Hispanic and Asian population as well, and a decrease in America's white population. So some argue that the census can leave the impression that race is fixed, naturally occurring category that can be neatly counted. Until 2000, the Census Bureau only recognized one response for race, but a design change in the most recent census form also allowed the government to report people's identity with a greater specificity, allowing individuals to check more than one box. So are people doing 23andMe and then checking the boxes? Is that what's <laughs> going on? No, I don't think they could check all the boxes. Yeah, they, they, there, weren't, there weren't options for them before. Yeah, so, you know. Yeah, I think they went by how they appeared in the world. I was, it was interesting to me that uh, a lot of Hispanics had been checking the box white. And uh, when it lets you in this newer census, it lets you go more granular. Then they included more of their, you know, uh, uh, Hispanic backgrounds. Yeah, so and then white people are worried because... I guess white people are they like, gonna have to learn Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely here in LA. Let me tell you, exactly. I use my Spanish every day. I, I, I mean, and I, I said that's one thing that I will do before uh, my uh, in the next five years. I'm gonna learn Spanish. Yeah, I can't believe I took French. I mean, I, French is good too, but it's not like Spanish. Spanish is, is more is French good too, really. Yeah, you got Haitians, passe. The number one uh, uh, language is English and oh, Spanish. Well, yeah. What do you check, Leanne? Because you look questionable. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I look questionable. Don't I, though? No, my family's mixed. It's part Jamaican, part Bajan, part Trini. And if you're from the Caribbean, you know that's a mixed marriage. Is Bajan so, a? I've always been, but that's uh, folks from Barbados. Okay. Yeah, that, that's where Bajans are from. Um, this question has always annoyed me because I think we're not getting our terms right. There's only one race that's human. That's right. Um, now, now we're talking about ethnicity and culture. Right. You know, and then that so so we're we're not even starting off. In, in a correct way. That's right. Um, well, but white people thought of race made made up race. Yeah. Well, they made up the distinctions and it, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't even want to teach that because apparently that's too heavy to learn. Too heavy for people to learn about racism, far less experience it. Hello. Yeah. When Robin comes back, I'm going to ask her what's going on too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but clearly, I mean, clearly there, there are signs of, you know, miscegenation here. There was some mixing going on. That clearly wasn't voluntary. Right. You know, um, what can I say? You know, I just, I was been doing some cleaning in the house and I found a picture of my great grandfather as chocolate as the day is long, like just 
beautiful black, like, hello, sir. Like, I, like my great-grandmother was on it. I was like, you go, sis. He beautiful. What happened? <laughs> Where did it all go? Yes. Yeah. Where did it all go? Yes. Yeah, I, I think that it's really like every time I hear about the census, I just think of it's white people's way of figuring out where they're losing power, where they're losing mm. seats in the house and how they can control. Speaking of the voters' rights, voting rights. I think people are, are scared of the census. Uh, and when I say people, I'm, I'm talking about our people. But I feel like uh, people got the census. They don't understand the benefit of the, the census to our communities. And, uh, you know, brushing it off has historically uh, under uh, counted us and we get less um, uh, utilities, benefits from the undercount. And so I, I don't feel like that we should be scared of the census. They, you know, it's not like they're just coming to our neighborhoods. They come to everybody's neighborhood. Everybody gets the same questionnaire. And uh, so I, I feel like the census has a bad rap in our communities. And I feel like we didn't, we still don't have, have a good answer for people as to why we need to fill that out. A nice, concise answer for people that are scared of the government, but uh, also we can benefit from the government by uh, be, being heard, being seen. This is, you know, this is our communities. How many people we have fund us, motherfuckers. They also got to come to our doors, right? They were banging on my door. And I was like, I filled it out. I wasn't a fan of that. But, but Pat, for that very reason, there might, might explain the undercount or uh, perhaps undercount of white people. Because we see we have this whole swath of white folk who don't trust the government, who were told to beware of the census and elections and, and not trust in who are these people. So maybe they weren't responding as robustly That's true. as they have in the past. I don't care about them. Oh, no, I didn't say I cared. I mean, I don't care about them being undercounted in the sense that we've, we've been undercounted and we've been underfunded. And so yes. uh, I can't worry about them. That's what I mean. I don't care. I'm, not, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a humanist. I don't have, I don't have this uh, anti-white thing going on in me. I just want to express that. But I am concerned about my community, especially that I live in uh, Harlem that I am here in New York, uh, that may, that means something to me, especially when I, as I go outside and I, and I am inundated with all these, uh, these homeless people. And I feel like to a large degree, uh, if I can, and I said this to somebody the other day, I would rather pull my money, give a little bit of my taxes or whatever, uh, percentage to help people get off the street and give people five, a dollar or five dollars every day because that doesn't help the problem. The problem is bigger than me. And I feel like we all need to fund that. And um, so that's my thing. I, I'm, I'm really concentrating on what in what ways that I can help this community that I'm in. So I, I, I'm trying not to be anti white because that's not who I am. That's not what I am. Well, Robin, what, what, what are you checking? in the boxes when you left i was like i gotta ask robin what what, what boxes are you yeah they said i was questionable robin they didn't know who my people <laughs> it was hey hey it wasn't they it wasn't they. i'm sorry i'm sorry pat you right it was marina franklin i am not a mixed race black person oh okay so i both my parents are black um i identify as black so that's what i'm checking 
See, I identify as Vulcan, and that's never on the season. <laughs> <laughs> now, my DNA results might say something else, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's DNA. Yeah, well, I see something in there. There's something going on there, Robin. I mean, both my, like, you know, I got great, great grandparents mm-hmm. that were white men that sexually assaulted my ancestors, but I don't. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not like that's that's all our clothes. That's right? all of us. That's exactly. even Pat. That's Pat too. Yeah. So that's I'm not. Me. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. I when I had my uncle on the podcast, I just do, did a one on one with him, and he said the biggest problem in America is the the term race. That's so. Hmm. It's like the way they they use that against us. It's basically to control power. You know, all of that. There's no it's such a, thing. It's, it's a us against them. That's why they, you know, um, that's why they use it. It's a us against them. Yeah. It's always I been. mean, it, and it works so well. Like, it's so frustrating to me when Absolutely. I feel like within our community, you know, on Facebook and Twitter and people are like, oh, you know, oh, he's being light skinned. Oh, he's being dark. He's got that dark skin energy. You know, it's just like, oh, please stop. Please stop. Are you serious? Well, oh, my God. Yikes. All the time. Yeah. All the time. I have friends who are like, oh, don't be light skinned. Come on. Yeah. Pad said I was acting like Vaughn one day. You no, remember? I said, I you said, I was acting light skinned like Vaughn. I said, you enjoy people calling you light skinned. That's what I said. I do and, not enjoy oh, that's that. That's what I said. I said, he, he enjoys said so much. And I said, that's why I say shit like that to you because you enjoy, because she's like, oh, no, I'm not. I, she enjoys the shit no, out of I that. Do so that not. look at that. Like that false ass humility right there. Uh that's why <laughs> I say it. That, that's why I say it. Yeah. My mom raised me. That's not any part of me. I don't I I've never enjoyed that because I had some friends when I was like when I was in high school that were light skinned that used to always say when I got a tan that I looked dirty. And I thought, what? That is so awful. What are you saying? And they would say, oh, look, Marina's almost passing. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like when I was in the winter, you know, and I had never, my mom didn't raise me like that because my mom used to always say that when she grew up, especially in Chicago, Chicago has a very colorism problem, especially very, very difficult, light skin, dark skin in Chicago, because a lot of Mississippi roots. But my mom said, don't you ever, ever talk like that. I don't want to ever see it because when she grew up in her household, she felt like she wasn't um, light enough, mm-hmm. you know, and her sister was lighter than her. And it used to make her feel very ugly. My mom, if you saw my mother, my mother is like, like Robin's color, you know, like she's my mom's very light. And you would not even know where that would come from, why she would think she was like lighter than or, or darker. It's, it was just crazy. So from like a child to like I was 12, that was like drilled into me to never think like that. So when I encountered my friends in high school talking like that, I just thought it was gross, you know? I, I feel like, of course, I grew up in some of that, but I, didn't, I don't think I grew up in a lot of that because I was, I was raised in Missouri and it's just a small group of black people in terms of the whole. And so you were just cowering together just to be a part of, you know, a, the black, you, you know, that's what we had, had to hold on to. So I think uh, we did punish my brother because everybody in my uh, immediate family is about the same color brown. 
but my brother is darker than us. And then uh, we used to always call him, you know, some form of black or whatever, whatever, when he was, whenever we were engaged in, in verbal combat with him or whatever. But um, w- at, uh, to the root of that is always like wondering where he get that color from. Cause it, m- my mother and father are literally probably the same type of brown and we were all brown kids. I mean, and I say, when I say brown kids, the same color. So for us to just jump on him like that, it was the only way actually we could talk about him because he was a, a cute little boy, but he was just dark. Um, but I feel like we grew out of that. And also, but I don't know what kind of scars that we gave him as a, uh, he was older than us, but uh, as a uh, boy, but I don't remember it going outside of our house that that colorism went outside of a house, but it definitely was a part of our, us growing up with him doing that to him. So, um, yeah, it's uh, pernicious. Yeah, that's heavy. Yeah. I see. I didn't know I was light skinned until I went to school. My parents are darker than me, but they never mentioned it. Kind of didn't come up. Yeah. Yeah. Why would it? Yeah. And then I, and apparently I was, I was light skinned and, uh, I, I thought too much of myself. I'm like, I'm six. <laughs> right, right, right. Uppity, were you uppity? Uh, yeah, uppity well, six year old. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, but then I was just being me and got accused of acting light skin and you know, God forbid I had good hair, I might have not survived. Yeah, maybe. Where did you grow up, Leanne? New York, New York oh, City. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'm a New York girl. I know I don't seem like it, but I am. Uh, you do not. I, I know, right? What part of New York? Queens. Yeah, you don't feel like New York. No, my parents spent a lot of money so that I wouldn't seem like I'm oh, from damn. there. But uh, this is how uh, dampening it is. But I, wanna, I wanted to say something. Mm-hmm. No, I wanted to say something to Pat's point. You made a really, really good point when you said you were a humanist. Um, it mar- reminded me of, uh, I think it's Heather McGee's book, The Some of Us. Mm-hmm, I don't know if book. you guys have. Yeah, and it talks about the cost of racism. You know, like if we if we add it up, you know, the things that they say, yes, ex- excellent, excellent, excellent book. Like if it, they it seems like the white community will cut its nose off to spread its face. Wait, what'd you say? Can you repeat that? Sure. It seems she her argument in the book is that many times the white community and this is proven many, many times over will cut off its nose to spite its mm, face. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if we get ahead a little bit, they would rather not get ahead at all. You know, they don't, it, it, whereas if we could all thrive together and that's just not the mindset here. Because they divided yeah. us so much. Yeah. My, my point, I wanted just to make a point about how pernicious uh, the colorism thing is, because I think it affects uh, people who are light-skinned to the to degree that makes them a little insecure. Because I was dating this girl, she's uh, light-skinned and she was beautiful. And um, I remember... Uh, we were talking and she said, you like me. And we've been together for uh, like six months or more or whatever. And she was like, you like me because do you like, she asked the question, do you like me because I'm light skinned? I was like, I like you because you are beautiful. I mean, I was like, you know, your form is beautiful. Your, uh, you know, your structure is beautiful. I mean, it could be on a, a darker person and it would still be beautiful. I mean, uh, and uh, so I was actually that that always kind of was interesting to me, like 
that maybe she's been approached a lot and a lot in her life, not because she was a this beautiful girl, but because she was a beautiful girl because she was light. Are they people equate the lightness with beauty and instead of her just being beautiful? Yeah. I mean, white supremacy has just done a number on this planet, (laughs) not just us, but like the whole world. Like you go to, you know, you go to India, you go to anywhere. And even in, you know, in Asia and Japan, I mean, it's like Korea, they're like, um, you know, I dated a Korean girl and her mother would be like, do not make sure you're wearing sunscreen. You don't want to, because it's like for them, they're associated with darkness with being a farmer, which is like Filipinos being a peasant. Too, they do that. Oh, and Filipinos, forget about it. I mean, everyone has been affected by this. It's, it's, yeah. it's terrible. I wish we could yeah. just like, like matrix poof, our brains. Are we, are, are we coming out of it? Do you think, do you think that you seeing signs of us leaving that or, uh, Mm. Because we have so much more awareness about it. I don't know. Not, it feels no. like now there's like more of an obsession with mixed race people and like mixed race people now are um, the pinnacle of beauty in a lot of ways. Yes. Fetishized. Yeah. Fetishized. Yeah, for sure. Sorry. There's a quote that I pulled out from this article that I really like that said the whole racial classification system is going to shift in the next few years, said Douglas S. Massey, a sociologist at Princeton University. The off the shelf standard American is going to be some kind of blend of Asian, Latino and white. The big question always is, how do blacks fit in? Right. So, yeah, like. You know, like how come we don't shift to everyone being black? It's, you know what I mean? It's like, it's this need to be white. It's always been this need to be white. Proximity, what about this? proximity I mean, to whiteness. Yeah. Is power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's power. I just got a new neighbor and um, I was so excited because my, my friend had said, who worked at the real estate company said, Oh yeah, they're a white couple. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, I was hoping to be some black folks or maybe a POC, whatever. And I meet them and she's Asian and he's from Iran. (laughs) And I had a conversation with him and he was like, oh, I watched your documentary. So we started talking about passing, right? And this was just this morning before this podcast. And he said something about, yeah, being white. And I said, brother, you are white. You're a person of color. You're from Iran. You are white. And he laughed and I said, I'm claiming you as a person of color. I'm sorry. <laughs> he was like, okay, okay. You know, we, we know what he checked on his senses. And you look <laughs> at him. I'm like, you look like a lot of things, but you don't look white. Yeah. Was me. he brown? Yes. He's my complexion. He, he looks Middle Eastern. Okay. And his wife looks Asian. She's Korean and white, mm-hmm. but she looks Asian. Mm-hmm. It's a proximity. Proximity to power. It absolutely is. So we just had that conversation about Alfonso. um, Is it Rivera that was, you know, trying to defend his marriage to a white white woman? Uh, He's saying he'd never felt like accepted by black people. That's why he made the comment. He was on stage, you know, saying I've dated a lot of white women. And it was like old footage that they brought back. But uh, like I had Ginny Pat on the on the podcast and we were talking about that. And she was like, he's Dominican, too. She's like, but of course, if he went to Dominican Republic, they'd be applauding him for marrying a white woman. I was like, oh, yeah. that just hurt. Yeah. Yeah, that's terrible. I was like, yeah, Who that's. Says? 
Alfonso Rivera. Is that the Carlton? Yeah, that's Carlton, Carlton, right? Oh, he's Dominican? Yes. (laughs) And he's black, but he identifies as black, you know, because he's part, he's. Is he Afro? I mean, is he, does he have a black American parent or is he like 100% like Afro Latino? I believe so, yeah. So he identifies, he's always been identified as like from the tap dance kid on as black. Wow. But yeah, I didn't. I was like, he. I didn't know he was Dominican. She said he does when he goes to the Dominican Republic. He, they are like, no, just don't talk. Don't try to do the language. Just, just be yeah. what you are. She said, but of course they would applaud the fact that he's married to a white woman, which I just thought was incredibly sad. Yeah, but also too, it's like when he said, uh, I don't know that, that if I got the quote right or something like that, that he never felt comfortable uh, until he married a white woman or something like that but I, I think that's also that's the difference in culture and people make the mistake of thinking because there's there's cultural differences like you might not be comfortable in a culture that you know you're not that a lot of dancing and a lot of you know some something and then you go to another culture where uh other things are emphasized more and you feel more at home so that's a cultural thing uh that's not necessarily saying that you know these people here are bad and this one is good. It's just like, this is a culture that I much prefer and I'm, I feel comfortable in. Uh, Correction. I gotta we, put this uh, we in. elevate Hold. color. Alfonso Rivera. So Jenny, I got to correct her. I went by her word, but she was wrong. Alfonso family is from Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, shit. Although rumor has been that he is, I just Googled it just to make sure. Although rumor has been that he is of Dominican descent, he has stated in an interview that this is false. Neither he nor his family are from the Dominican Republic. They originate Trini. from tr- from Trini. So mm-hmm. that whole conversation is, okay. is moot now. Okay. <laughs> Except for, I don't know where she got that from. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's listed here in 2000. Oh, he has a Spanish last name. So he probably has some. Yeah. Roots he somewhere. has scrubbed it, the internet, because it says here that everything is corrected. He is not Dominican. <laughs> 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 All right. So let's go to the voting rights. Senate Democrats once again brought a major voting bill to the floor, and Senate Republicans once again blocked it. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell claimed that Democrats sought to start tearing up the ground rules of our democracy and writing new ones of course, on a purely partisan basis, when in state after state, Republicans have done precisely that. Republicans' falsehood-fueled campaign against the nation's system of government is one of the reasons the country needs federal voting legislation. And Majority Leader Charles Schumer pledged that voting legislation would be the first order of business when the Senate returned from its August recess as they continue to break through partisan blockage. So what's going on? I don't know. I'm reading this and I'm fading as I'm reading my own. Yeah. So what is happening? Are, are they doing anything? That's the actually one thing that saddens me the, the worst about all this stuff that's coming out now, because if they don't pass voting rights, we really are not a democracy anymore. Um, yeah, we just, it was just not going to be, we just going to be uh, minority ruled. Uh, to to the extent we are right now, but uh, it's going to even be more skewed. Um, and I, I, it's just not going to be a way that we can vote our way out of that after they've changed the rules. 
So Mansion Cinema, and I'm sure, and I've, I read an article that there's a few more other people that just don't get talked about too, that are unwilling to lose the filibuster be- because they're getting so much money from um, dark money that uh, that don't want them to, uh, uh, that wants them to support the filibuster that it won't happen. And that is just really sad because if that, if it goes, they've already uh, dismantled it in the sur- Supreme Court. And so um, they dismantled some of the Voting Rights Act from 1965 and some of the main things in the the Voting Rights Act that will ensure that they wouldn't have been able to do the things that they're doing in South Carolina and Georgia and in uh, Texas. And they dismantled so many of those that it's just a matter of time. If they don't pass, uh, they don't lose the filibuster and pass voting rights, all is lost when when it comes to democracy. And I'm not trying to even be trying to be overly dramatic about it. Yeah. And when uh, when your rights are taken from you, it's not taken all at once. It's just a, a, a short, steady pace of taking little by little until they have you powerless. So that's the one thing that saddens me. And I just I, I'm just from everything I read they're not they're not going to budge cinema. Uh, he likes to be the face of this shit. I don't think anybody's going to be able to change his mind. He's a rich man. He's. He's in a district that's uh, that is overwhelmingly voted for him in the past uh, the two cycles. So cinema, uh, she should be worried, uh, but she seems, uh, for whatever reason, she don't seem like she don't seem like she is. But she, her, 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 um, her sentence is volatile. Um, so you would think she would want to go along with uh, Biden and his plan, because when you have a president that's in power, uh, that's doing well, then people tend to, to vote for his administration. So if she goes against his administration, uh, what they've seen historically is that they lose their seat if you're a part of that party. So um, we'll see. But it's, it'll be late. It'll be too late. If they don't do it this, they don't do it now, they're not going to be able to get it done. Scary. Yeah. Planning on some um, trips out of the country? We'll be Russia. That's how we'll be Russia. We'll be in a situation where we'll just have a figurehead and they'll make laws and rules and we oh, won't be able to really vote, vote on it. No, it's, it, I mean, it's, for, it's real. I'm, That's if the you know climate, when the climate collapses. Like, oh, but the climate has given us at least 20 years. But, you uh, think? Okay, what are your plans? Uh, who's buying land? Uh, 20 years, I don't know. Uh, 20 years. I'm, I'm not planning anything beyond 20 years because I feel like they're not doing anything for climate change. So it's 20 years. Not enough. Oh, nothing to change it. Nothing. No, nothing. I read this the other day and I had to like the shit out of it. It was like there's nothing a moderate Democrat is uh, advocating that will change the severity of climate change. Nothing they're they're uh, they're promoting. It's, it's got to be drastic measures, measures at this point because we've been overlooking it for so long. So don't play, don't play it past 20 years. Take your IRAs out there in 20 years. I keep saying I'm going to move to Vermont because it's going to be the warmest place. <laughs> <laughs> you know? At least you can grow some food there. It, yeah, it may be flooded. Yeah, my wife just got her Canadian citizenship, so I don't know. I'll see you in Canada. Congratulations. Yeah, <laughs> nice, yeah. nice. 
I'm glad you brought that up, Pat, because that's one of our articles too. The United Nations scientific report examining global warming finds that nations have delayed curbing their fossil fuel emissions for so long that they can no longer stop global warming from intensifying over the next 30 years, though there's still a short window to prevent the most harrowing outcomes. Even if nations started drastically decreasing emissions today, total global warming is likely to rise around 1.5 degrees Celsius within the next 20 years. But if countries could make a coordinated effort to stop adding carbon dioxide to the atmosphere by around 2050, which would entail a rapid shift away from fossil fuels starting immediately, as well as potentially removing vast amounts of carbon from the air, global warming would likely halt and level off at around 1.5 degrees Celsius instead of steadily rising, potentially passing two degrees, three degrees, or even four degrees Celsius. Not all hope is lost, but it's going to take a lot of work on a united global level. And then we just had Haiti, which is not in the articles, oh, but I know we're seeing what's happening in Haiti, which, you know, is, is devastating. Um, it went from 300 people to 1,297 people lost, more than 5,700 injured. Now, CNN, if you're listening to this, CNN has a great site that shows you where you could donate. So if you are Everybody feeling- Everybody said, don't do it. Don't donate to the Red Cross. Yeah. Um, World Kit- Central Kitchen is one that I'm going to donate to that I looked at. There's a long list on the CNN website that we'll put up on our Facebook page. If you're looking for different organizations, you want to research, you don't want to go to Red Cross. And don't give it to any artist from Haiti that uh say they're going to uh give it to Haiti. Like uh what's his name from uh Wyclef. Wyclef, yeah. Nope. Nope. He's proven that they should have ain't none of that money going to uh Haitians relief. So uh what did happen to did he take the money? What happened to it? Yeah. I will I will kindly say from what I've read, let's call it mismanagement of the funds. <laughs> exactly. Like, You're so yeah. kind. <laughs> I try. I yeah. do try. But I mean, to to the prior article about you know global warming and where we are. Listen, we are listen, our species is very disappointing. Mm-hmm. We're not that people. We're not that species. And if we couldn't do the least, we're not gonna do the most. No. <laughs> but you know not. what? It's uh, also the thing is so infuriating. The people who are in charge are old, rich white men. Yeah, they're going to be dead by the time they don't have twenty years, and they give a they don't give a fuck about how much fossil fuel is burning and killing. They don't care. No, and you said coordinated. You said they don't care about people now. They're not going to care about people they didn't. They're they're never going to meet. Yep. We keep passing the generational buck. They don't care. They don't care. And Marina, you said coordinated effort in that article, and I can't even imagine a coordinated global effort for anything. Unless it was nope. like soccer. We can't get it right in the five boroughs. How are we going to get it right around the world? <laughs> exactly. So I'm, I'm going to buy some land. Well, I have a bike. <laughs> but, you know, you're right. I mean, I think this sort of answers why young people st- started going and attacking older people. Because older people have not shown that they, in position anyway, that they really give a fuck about where the, the world is going to be. In 20 years. So you could kind of see how on a cultural level, the shift between, you know, younger and older and younger people saying, okay, boomer, where that came from, because these kids are seeing adults not acting like adults responsibly. 
Yeah. And who's going to suffer the most? Black people and people of color. Absolutely. Absolutely. So no one's having kids, right? Except for me. <laughs> oh, God bless you. I have a cat. So, I, yeah, yeah, that's my contribution. But Maria? congratulations, Robin. Okay. Oh, we're not pregnant yet, but. Oh, okay. But Marina, why why'd you get a cat, Leanne? After after you lost your dog, you not you didn't want a dog again. I don't have a dog lifestyle, which means I don't have dog money, you know. And then to walk a dog every day, a, a dog is a is a serious commitment. Not that a cat isn't, but a dog really does require more care than I was able to provide. I know I want a dog, and I, I'm thinking about it. And everybody I've talked to, the dog is like they'll they'll shake it their head all the time. Like, yeah, it's commitment. They like you know they'll be right by their dog, petting the dog. Yeah, it's commitment. Like if I know, <laughs> I wanted. I've had dogs. I wanted a dog. You know, I missed my last dog, but I just knew I had to make a real assessment of where my life was, my life and my money. You know, and my time. You know, and I just it wasn't there. And not if you're gonna do it right. You know. So. I'm, I'm gonna put that. I'm gonna put that in my profile. I'm a, I want a girl with a dog. I want a girl that has a dog. <laughs> yeah, you've always had dogs. Always. I've never not had a dog. I'm like wow. a crazy person. I felt like you asked me a question earlier, and I didn't. Oh, I was just I was going around saying kids, kids, and they said no, and then I was like Marina, kids, no. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> no. The, no, no, no future plant. I can't have them. I mean, maybe I have, and you know, back to that, that, you know, the fibroid conversation when I did go and asked about fertility after like, you know, radiation treatment and uh, with breast cancer, they were, the doctors that I would go to were most, there was a white man who was like, no, no. And then I would talk to someone else and they were like, unless you have this blood test done, you really still don't know. Um, so they were not encouraging. I see. You know, and, you know, I'm of age now where I should probably just go ahead and admit this is not going to happen. So I have to maybe adopt. Mm -hmm. Adopting is an idea. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about that? Did you Were you one of those people that always wanted a child? I was one of those people who never really knew. Um, I didn't, I didn't have a clear decision either way. I just never. And I used to talk about it in therapy a tremendous amount for years. And then I never really found the right guy that I could settle down with. And then my career was like, like what Leanne is saying about having a dog, like having a child costs money. And I'm, you know, a comic who was struggling, you know, not, you know, even though it seems like, you know, Marina Franklin, no, I'm still like paying the bills, you know? So was I going to raise a child on my own? No. Yeah. And I had to make this. So you get to a point in this career where you realize um, time goes by. And you you suddenly you wake up and you're at an age where you actually cannot have children. That's why I tell young comics, young, um, you know, women of color in the entertainment industry to not get to where I got, where the choice is being taken away mm. to like start, you know, you know, freezing their eggs so that they can still do that if they want, if they want to have a child with their genetic makeup, I guess, you know, the thing is, is like, you don't have to do that. You can have, you can adopt. Um, I, you could still get pregnant uh, if you want, you know, with someone else's egg and someone else's sperm if you want to yeah. do that. And if you can do that. But I think it's really important that, you know, I, I used to make fun of people saying, you know, when are you getting pregnant? When you're young, you make fun of older people saying that all the time. And then you, 
get older and you realize what that actually means is the option is not available to you. Yeah. Pretty, you know, and some people are, some, some cultures are, it's drilled into them to have children at a certain age. And I, like, as I talk to my Jewish friends, for example, it's drilled into them. If you don't have a child by this age, then like, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? Um, that was never drilled into me, you know, like to have children at a certain age. No one ever had that conversation with me. I had the opposite conversation about like having a child is going to cost money. You need to focus on your dreams. You need to focus on your career. Not like you need to also have children. That was like not at all. I was taught you had to make a choice. You when you had you can have a life or you can have a child. Women don't get both. My mother didn't model both for me, and I love my mother. She did the best she can, but she's from a different generation, and she had children, and that was pretty much it. That was her life, and so she didn't know how to do both, and she didn't know how to teach me how to do both. You know, she said you got to choose. Um, but no worries, I did. I, I never wanted kids. I didn't get that that little clock thing that everybody gets installed. I didn't get that. Yeah, I didn't get it. Never had it. Now I like the little folk when there's someone else's. You know, that's fine. You know, I did think I would adopt though, because I don't think the state should be your parent. Like kids who are in foster care, that that doesn't feel right to me. You should you need you need a real person to look after you. To, and you're not finished when you're 18. You know, you still need somebody in your 20s, in your 30s. I mean, you, listen, you need love your whole life. But that person, uh, that family unit that's going to be there for you when things go wrong yeah. or even when things go right. Yeah, parenting. You need it. Yeah, absolutely. And you, and to be with someone. Yeah. I'm grown, grown. I still miss having parents. Like, shouldn't somebody be here suggesting <laughs> some stuff for me? Are you, both of your parents passed? Yeah. Recently. I was actually, oh, actually going to ask you that, sorry. Leanne. How you, how. Yeah. Because you, you were taking care of them at uh, one point, I know. Yes, I was. I was. My well, I lost my dad in 2019, and then I lost oh, my mom this sorry. past April. Yeah, oh, my sorry. mom was Oh wow! I didn't know it was that um, recent. Yeah, yeah. I'm is. sorry, man. That is tough. And, and matter of fact, and I know this won't. This won't. Not when we when you air Marina, but um, the day that we're taping is today is my parents' wedding anniversary. Would have oh, been oh. their wedding anniversary. Yeah, I've been following you, Leanne, on Instagram and seeing like you really documenting your mom's story. And it's lovely. It really puts a face on and it. I'm sorry, I'm going to get emotional because. um, Oh, God, why am I getting that? Um, Because I really follow, you know. Oh, God, I can't even say it. But the thing you put about your mom. And when she lost her, her like memories, that really touched me. Um, and I've been thinking, I have been thinking about you a lot with that. It anyway. was early on. She got diagnosed back in 2015 and she kept saying things like, I can't get my words right. She'd say, I feel like I'm losing myself. Mm. And, and then to watch her lose herself. I, I mean, I, I don't compare and despair like any disease, any rough thing that somebody's going through is rough. But Alzheimer's is a bitch. It's a bitch. You, and so I, it's like I lost her twice. Mm. 
You know, yeah. I like I got I, I lost her little bits along the way. I've watched her struggle, you know, and what I got left with at the end was she mostly remembered my name. She remembered that she loved me. I don't know what else I get to keep. That's that's better than that. But I, I everything else, everything else. She was a teacher. She was brilliant. She was a wonderful writer, a wonderful speaker. All those things, it just went away. And it's so hard. I don't, I don't wish it on anybody. And I know we have a lot of priorities of things to fix and things to do and things to support and help people with. And wow, I wish we had a cure for this. This is awful for the person going through it and the family walking with them through it. Just, it's, I try not to think about it because it's just, I mean, I lived it. it. It was weird at the memorial where people were coming and they were sharing remembrances and I found myself being jealous because they got to remember who she was, never seeing who she became. They didn't get to have that other memory, you know? And it's like, ah, oh. but then they, in a, on the positive side, they got, I, I, I got, what almost was lost for me was who she was. And I got those reminders of how awesome she had been, you know? So there, so there is that positive side of it. Cause I felt like I'd lost all of it and the other people came to remind me, you know? So yeah. Thank you, Marina. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, woo, yeah. You think of the bright side of um, social media and Instagram. And when you shared that letter that she sent to her friend, that last, it was the last letter that really touched me. And I thought like how many people out there who are experiencing this, it's helping, you know, so I just, you know, I think I never know. I never know, but I had done um, a bit on dry bar comedy. Um, when I, when I got dry bar, I didn't know what material I would do. And, and nobody, nobody knew this, but me, most of that material was material I had done about my parents, about, about raising your parents, about that role reversal. And my dad was already gone and I knew I was losing my mom. And I said, this will be a tribute to them, you know, just for me personally. You know, that was a, a, a private thing that I had decided um, that bit that they actually they do. They do a clip of it and share it. I get more people reaching out to me in my DMs about, oh, my gosh, that's me and my parents. or oh, My mom shared this with me or my dad shared this with me. And so I know it resonates because that's the thing that we're not talking about. This huge generation of people that are aging and who's caring for them and who's talking about us. Who's, who's advocating for both it's it's we get lost in the sauce and to be able to find the humor in it i mean i was struggling <laughs> you know the humor was what helped me got through get through and and vice versa because they were hilarious my parents were so funny you know but to be able to share that and know that it it touches people and so that in some way they feel seen you know even just a little bit you know and so your parents were like also especially your dad was so present in the comedy scene for for me especially like i remember your dad having that conversation with me about comedy and the comedy club so i know it sounds (laughs) weird but it's like he was like our dad too he was a comedy dad can i tell you i had no idea how many folks my dad was talking to people would come to me go oh yeah i talked to your dad i was like word (laughs) oh yeah he had a lot for so many people but that's what I loved about my dad. He did not have a scarcity mentality when it came to love. He really thought the more you gave away, the more you got. 
and he loved what I did. He loved going out to clubs. He loved talking to people. I, I, I remember, you know, uh, like comments would come to him. This would be at Boston Comedy Club. How far back we going? And apologize. Somebody came up to him and apologized for cursing in their set when my dad <laughs> and my dad was like, "Son, I'm from Bed Stuy. Like, <laughs> come on, do your thing." You know, or he would console somebody who had a bad set. And he was like, I've seen you before. It's just, it's just a one-off. You'll be fine. I'm like, oh. you know you're here to see me, right? <laughs> and I think your dad came to the theater when I did the Billie Holiday Theater. Your dad used to go there all the time, too. We loved the Billie Holiday. We yeah. loved the Billie. Yes, we would go to the Billie not even know what was there. We didn't care. It's the Billie Holiday Theater. <laughs> we go. <going. laughs> I do a joke about that theater because it was just so funny how interactive that theater was. Um, I played this character, Shashu Aisha. Um, that was like a revolutionary black sister, very much unlike myself. And um, I remember coming out and my white boyfriend was picking me up and the women in the lobby were like, is that, is that, is that Shashu? She got a white boyfriend. Oh no. <laughs> You're like acting. <laughs> yes, I was acting. You should have, you should have had him wait outside girl. I know, I know, I know, way outside, like by the subway outside. Because, I mean, they loved that character that I played. And, and when I was in it, I remember my manager at the time, Jason Steinberg, was like, that was interesting. They were really talking back to you on stage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Billy is interactive. That's not Broadway. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. This ain't no. the August Wilson Theater. This is the Billy Holiday. You're going to yeah. get a response. <laughs> yeah, I would walk out and they'd be like, Oh, what's Shashu going to say? <laughs> I'd have to really commit Shashu. to those lines. I had to stop ma smoking marijuana when I did that show because I was dropping lines all over the place. It was so difficult with the interaction. It was very difficult, but it was fun. It was funny. I wish I had a, a tape of the reactions from the, that, that play. It was just hysterical. Thank you for sharing that, Leanne. And I'm so, it's so good to see you. And I loved also what you put out when people were like saying, what can I do? And you're like, um, there's DoorDash and there's food. Oh, yeah. I'm hungry. Oh, yeah. And people responded to that. People want to help you, believe it or not. And I didn't know what help I needed. I knew I didn't want to cook. I knew I come in here and just be just, you know, kind of beat down from the experience. And people were actually like, yeah, you know what? I could send you an Uber Eats card. Do you know what? I, well, I shouldn't say her name. I won't say her name. This is a fellow comic that we all know and love. She did not know what to send me. This girl sent me a bottle of bourbon, sent me her favorite bottle of oh, bourbon. I and we, I, I immediately called her on the phone and she was like, I didn't know if that was right. I'm like, well, girl, the damn sure ain't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I know who that is. Thank you so much. I appreciate that bottle's gone now. But yes, so sometimes you just need to give people an opportunity. If somebody had gave me the suggestion, they said, if this were, was not the pandemic, I would have been that person that would come over to your house with a dish. We weren't doing that you know, in the pandemic. So yes, Uber Eats cards, Amazon gift card. Yes, DoorDash. Absolutely. And yes, thank you for feeding me, everybody. It was <laughs> Well, this is a wonderful way to get out and close the show. You guys, thank you so much for joining us on Friends Like Us. Robin, thank you for coming back. Can you come back more thank often? Thank you. Too? Yes, I love this. More. I feel like this is a family reunion. Yes. Oh. Robin says she'll come back when you you figure out what Robins you got. I know, dang. Yeah. <laughs> narrow, narrow down your Robins and she'll come back. 
I will. I promise. <laughs> so we'll go out on uh, what where our listeners can find you, Pat. Just on Instagram right now. I am not doing anything but writing. Just trying to find my legs and where when I need to talk about it. After the pandemic, I uh, and Leanne knows this too. I I have. My mother has dementia and I took care of her this summer and um, it's a lot of things I want to talk about and I want to and I'm committing to um, committing to uh, putting the album together next year by at least December. So right now I'm just doing a lot of writing and thinking with friends like us, you always get an opportunity to get the wisdom from people that uh, brown people, brown women and women that have seen at least three dicks on the MTA that that will support you and always uh, continue to uplift you. Yes, thank you. That was excellent. That was so good. And I'm still competitive about it for some reason. Uh, Because you'll never win. (laughs) I've been winning! (laughs) Pat knows how to get me going. Not not when I'm on here, you have it. You guys are so funny together. I love it. Got up the hill on my bike, Pat. That's oh, me and, me and Marina, def- but de- Marina, I need to say this one, this thing, and I'm, I'm sorry, ladies, but I need to put this out there, and I, I meant to do a post about it because, uh, to your point, Leanne, when I had uh, my mother was here, and I was, uh, and my mother was hos- actually hospitalized for uh, a week, and Marina called me and uh, found out that my mother was hospitalized, and she sent me. Uh, a DoorDash for which I really appreciate it because it's one of the things that you know you're so in involved in the what you're going through you don't even know what you need and uh, I feel like that was just so kind and so and it, and you don't really know you need it until just like to your point till you need it and uh, so it was a, it was a beautiful gesture and I just love that and I will always always appreciate that Marina I, I thought that was a oh, sweet thanks, thing Pat. yeah and I, and I got you an aloe vera plant that you don't have to take care of uh, no you know I'm, I'm gonna post that you'll see what I'll say I'm, is I'm it still take... alive it should be so far <laughs> <laughs> so far just oh. any way I can help love you Pat alright Leanne where could our listeners find you and give us a friends like us? Um, well, the easiest way to find me is veryfunnylady.com. That is the portal to all things me. You can get to all my social media. I love, Pat, that you have narrowed it down and focused. You know, I'm on platforms I don't even understand. Uh, <laughs> veryfunnylady.com is how you get to that. And the biggest thing I have coming up is that we are uh, we have a, a shoot date for uh, funny women of a certain age. Oh, good. I, I was wondering if they were going to do that because I yeah. know that. Yeah. 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 Our first shoot got canceled, uh, postponed because of uh, COVID exposure. And but they turned right around and we'll be filming at the end of the month out in California. So oh, wait. Yes. Yes. Um, at the improv, um, improv Irvine. That's where we'll be. Yeah. Uh, so I'm very, very excited about that. And uh, I don't know if I've said this before, uh, too bad if I have, but I will say that with friends like us, you have family. Oh my God. I just stopped crying. Were you going to start me up again? Oh God, I'm so well, emotional also, that's, that's today. That's kind of why I wore the, 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 the waterproof eyeliner because I know how you do, Marina. <laughs> <laughs> I know with the picture. And I got I to be out in public after this. So <laughs> pick up, me up in the game. <laughs> 
Oh, I love it. Thank you. Thank you, Leanne. Robin? Oh, this was so great. Um, also, on Instagram, you can find me, Robin Cloud Comedy. Um, you can watch my docuseries on Amazon Prime. And then I have another little short um, that I did for Halloween um, on Hulu. And yeah, this has just been such a pleasure. And I will say, with friends like us, you're never not laughing. Oh, oh nice. Oh, nice. Can you name the docu-series that's on Amazon Prime? Yes, it's called Passing, A Family in Black and White. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm, thank yeah. you. I want to check that out. You know, know what I'm watching tonight. Thank you. Yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you so much, Robin, for joining us again. Thank you and for having me. I miss you guys. I miss seeing oh, your faces yeah, sure. in New York. I promise when I come to L.A. that I will uh, look you up, lady. And Please and, do, all of yes. you. That's you. Yes, please do. So, Marina Franklin here. You just go to my website, marinafranklin.com. Get a t-shirt or something. Get a coffee mug. We got a friend from UK. Thank you so much for getting a coffee mug. I hope it gets to you within a month. (laughs) 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 And with friends like us, you can cry and laugh and have a great time. Thank you, ladies, so much. Check Check us out. out.